Welcome back to another edition of Wrestling Highlights of the Week, presented by My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. I am G2. Um, before I start off with Wrestling Highlights of the Week, I want to uh, give my deepest condolences to the Orndorff family. Um, they have lost a member of their family, Mr. Paul Orndorff, as in uh, wrestling standards. He was known as Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Um, he's more remembered for feuding with Hulk Hogan in the 1980s which is labeled as the golden years of professional wrestling. Um, he came in, he shot up as one of the top bad guys in professional wrestling for WWF, WWE. And he, him and Roddy Piper went against Mr. T and Hulk Hogan at the first ever WrestleMania. So that will be his legacy being one of Hulk Hogan's greatest uh, nemesis in his early reigns as WWE champion. Um, he retired and he was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2005 and the NWA Hall of Fame in 2009. Um, it was reported that Orndorff was dealing with dementia. So dementia is alleged to play a part in his passing from this earth. And I just want to wish the Orndorff family a deep condolences from uh, my Two Cents podcast and the Garrett family. So there's that now um i know i told you i was going to be dropping uh wrestling highlights of the week on monday i decided that i'm going to switch that up i'm going to stick with giving you guys wrestling highlights of the week every saturday continuously the only thing i'm going to do is whenever a big pay-per-view as in an aew or a wwe pay-per-view happens i will be giving you a recap of that pay-per-view on the Monday following that pay-per-view. So say this week, Money in the Bank's happening Sunday. I will be giving you a recap of what happened on that pay-per-view Monday. I think that's simple to understand. So as this is going on, always expect Wrestling Highlights of the Week to happen on Saturdays constantly. And you will still be getting your Sunday edition of My Two Cents Podcast just whenever a big-time pay-per-view happens, a.k.a. a WWE or AEW pay-per-view happens you'll be getting a wrestling highlights of the week not that but you'll be getting a pay-per-view recap on that following monday short and simple i hope you guys are able to follow that if you don't follow me on my two cents pod at uh no follow me at my two cents pod on twitter and then you'll be able to get updates but without further ado let's go on with the show monday highlights of the week and before i get on with that I want to say every opening match for each one of these companies was significant and they did its job. It was a good way and their best way to start their program off. And let me just start that off and just say that. But anyway, let me start off with the show. Raw, Xavier Woods beat Lashley in their opening match with a schoolboy. And Lashley threw a fit after this. He was in shambles. He was... Straight up, just, he didn't look like himself after he lost to Xavier Woods. Xavier and Kofi were laughing it up, and Kofi was pointing at Lashley, and Xavier was pointing at Lashley, because Lashley last week was talking about how Woods was a video games guy, and how he would beat the brakes off of Woods, and he couldn't get the job done this week. So this, this gives Kofi more credibility to what he said about Lashley losing his edge since he's become the WWE champion. And this will pay off a little bit farther down the line at the end of the show. And I'll get to that whenever it comes. Uh, the next segment after this match was Alexa Bliss had her playground segment with Eva Marie and Dewdrop. The main point of this was Eva Marie putting herself over, meaning that she's a star. She doesn't belong on this type of set and that she's so happy that this would be the last time she's ever going to be on this show, this program. And even Marie wasn't too happy on being on this whole interview portion. But the thing was, Alexa told Eva, I didn't want you on the show. I wanted Dewdrop on the show. And Alexa was able to talk with Dewdrop a little bit. But every time Dewdrop was about to say something, even Marie cut her off. And then it got to the point that even Marie got up and walked off and she told Dewdrop to follow, and Dewdrop just stared there for a minute and waved off at Alexa saying bye-bye, and Alexa said bye to Dewdrop. And Alexa was basically mimicking Eva as she was leaving the playground set, 
and this is going to lead into some, some friction later on throughout the night as well. Um, after this segment, we got Jinder Mahal. He had an in-ring promo. And the main point of this was Jinder Mahal was trying to give Drew Galloway, Drew McIntyre, back his sword that he took from him last week. Jinder had a revelation that he's going to extend the olive branch out to Drew McIntyre to get his sword back, and he just wants to bury the hatchet. So in the middle of the ring was a table, and the table was covered with a sheet. And underneath that sheet held the sword. And Jinder was calling for Drew and calling for Drew, but Drew uh, didn't show up. As a matter of fact, Drew had a camera crew back there filming him, and he showed up on the big Titantron, and Jinder's in the ring talking to Drew that way, well, via satellite. And Drew told Jinder that, I knew what you're trying to do. You're trying to get me out there and get ambushed. I'm not going to follow that. I'm not going to come out there. And Jinder said, no, I'm just trying to give you back your family heirloom. As a matter of fact, I made some upgrades because when I looked at the sword, the sword wasn't completely finished. So I decided to take it down to somebody that I know that can completely finish your family heirloom sword. And he told his boys in the sheer to take the sheet off the table to unveil the sword. And once they unveiled it, the sword was broken in half. And Jinder played dumb like, oh my God, what happened? I'm so sorry. He was apologizing to Drew. And Drew was just on the, Drew was just looking at him and just, and he knew that, you know what? I knew something like this would happen. And this is Monday Night Raw. This is WWE. I know I can't bring nothing here without it being destroyed. He was giving a wink, wink, nudge, nudge to the fans. Because if you bring anything to WWE that holds any sentimental value to you, you always know that somebody's going to be around to kind of snatch it and destroy it or snatch it and hold it over you until they get what they want from you. Drew told Jinder, thank God that was a, a dummy sword. That was not the real family heirloom sword. And then Jinder looked at Indy Sheer like, you guys didn't look at the sword to make sure this wasn't the real sword. And Drew showed off the real sword. And he said, well, I have the real sword right here. And Jinder was just looking at Indy Sheer like, well, Drew got one over on us. But Drew said, but... I don't think this is fake, though. And as he was walking over to Jinder Mahal's newly custom-made bike, and Drew just basically destroyed that bike. He didn't do much damage to it. I mean, he took some of, like, the things off of it that you could easily get, like, something to re replace it, like the seat or some type of pipe and, like, the headlight, and he just, like, kicked it over. He didn't do too much damage to it, but I, who would I know? I don't own a motorcycle. It doesn't look like he did too much damage. But the main point was he damaged Jinder Mahal's bike, and Jinder Mahal was in the range just looking so frustrated and so upset, and now this is setting up for Jinder to get Drew, and this looks like this is going to be a good middle, medium-style rivalry between Jinder and Drew just to... uh hold over Drew McIntyre until WWE has something better for him to do. After this, we had a fatal four-way uh, match between Nikki Ash, Naomi, Alexa, and Asuka. And Nikki Ash got the win by rolling up Asuka. And in this match, Eva Marie and Dewdrop comes down to look at everybody fighting. Alexa comes out of the ring, and she starts walking up the ramp towards Eva Marie. And Eva Marie tells Dewdrop to do something. And Dewdrop ends up turning Alexa around, slapping her, and throwing her over the barricade. And Eva Marie and Dewdrop were about to look over the barricade right where Dewdrop threw Alexa Bliss over. And once they looked over it, Alexa wasn't there. So this is telling you that Alexa now is in a feud with Eva Marie and Dewdrop. More is yet to come. We'll probably see something happen, probably at Money in the Bank. And if not Money in the Bank... Definitely Monday Night Raw to carry on this rivalry, but for now, uh, the only main thing to come out of it was Alexa is now feuding with Eva Marie and Dewdrop, and Nikki Ash did win the Fatal 4-Way to give her more momentum leading into this Sunday's Money in the Bank females uh, ladder match. After this, we had Ivar beating AJ Styles by pinfall whenever he hit a hip drop onto AJ and got the one, two, three. And then after this match, we had Omos beating Eric 
uh, by a two-handed chokeslam to get the pinfall on Eric. So now it's one and one leading up to this Sunday's Raw Tag Team Championship match with AJ Styles and Omos defending the Raw Tag Team titles against Viking Raiders. So now it's one and one. Both teams are coming in with momentum, but one team will be leaving out with the Raw Tag Team titles. After this, we had Sheamus attacking Humberto Carrillo backstage before their match for the United States Championship. Earlier in the night, Sheamus was complaining to Adam Pearce and Shoney DeVille, saying how dare they put Shane, put him in a match. His face isn't completely finished, uh, healing up yet, even though he's wearing a blackened face mask, like face protector mask, to make sure nothing else happened to his nose and he just basically complained and complained, and Adam basically asked him, so you're not ready to compete tonight? And Sheamus said, no, I'm ready to compete. I just can't believe that you would put me in this type of match with somebody like Humberto who doesn't deserve it. But either way, he attacks Humberto, and now you have Damian Priest looking at Sheamus as Sheamus is walking away after he got done beating up Humberto backstage. And... Adam Pierce and Sonya Deville come up to Humberto and ask him, are you still sure you want to compete tonight? And Humberto says, yeah, I'm ready to go. So after this, from commercial break, we get Sheamus versus Humberto Correa for the United States Championship. And this was match lasted about a good five seconds. As soon as the bell rung, Sheamus hit Humberto with a bro kick and got the one, two, three. After this, Sheamus put a little bit more on the beat down on Humberto, and then Damian Priest comes out there to save Humberto from Sheamus from any more attacks. So now this is leading to Sheamus going against Damian Priest somewhere down the line for the United States Championship. That's how it usually works in WWE. If you save somebody from a champion, you're more than likely next in line to get a championship opportunity. After this, we had Ricochet beating John Morrison in a false count anywhere match, Ricochet had John Morrison laid on top of a ladder, and Ricochet got to the top turnbuckle and basically jumped off the top turnbuckle onto John Morrison, who's laid out on a ladder, and he basically smashed John Morrison's body through the ladder and got the pinfall off that way. But Matt Riddle was out there to help Ricochet and make sure that Miz did not interfere in this false count anywhere match. As a matter of fact, Ricochet, not Ricochet, Riddle, uh, had Miz in a wheelchair and basically just threw his wheelchair back and made uh, Miz basically lay on his back like a turtle. And Riddle was imitating uh, Miz acting like a turtle, couldn't get up and anything else. So that was how Miz was tooking out of this contest, like during the end of it. But Ricochet did beat John Morrison after doing a big body splash onto John Morrison, who was laid out onto a ladder. So um, that was that fall count anywhere match. And it was good. I mean, it was fine. After this, you had Rhea Ripley beating Natalia by pinfall by hitting her with the Riptide. And then after this match, you had Charlotte attacking Rhea Ripley to damage Rhea Ripley much more for their championship match at Money in the Bank this week. Well, this upcoming Sunday. After this, it was the main event segment. You had the VIP lounge where the main point was MVP was trying to calm down Lashley and inform Lashley that, listen, you're going to beat Kofi Kingston. There's no need to worry about this just because you lost to Xavier. Everything's fine. Everything's good. We're living good. But Lashley wasn't trying to hear all that. He walked out there all in shambles. He wasn't all fit up to the nine. He wasn't all, like, suited and booted. My man didn't have his suit jacket on he came out there still in a still in his two-piece but he didn't have a suit jacket on he was ready like he was ready to fight and he told the ladies to leave out of the ring go backstage and he just basically starts grilling MVP and he told P that listen maybe if Kofi was right maybe I've gotten soft since being around you and all this whole VIP lounge having the ladies and bubbly we need to go back to the basics. I am pissed off. I'm upset that I lost to Xavier Woods. Xavier Woods. Video game playing Xavier Woods. Lashley was completely just upset by that. If anything, that really shook his confidence 
going into this upcoming WWE Championship match of Money in the Bank with Kofi Kingston. So he was letting MVP know that, no, we need to be in the gym. I need to be in there constantly focused to destroy Kofi. And that Money in the Bank, Kofi Kingston has no chance of beating me for this WWE Championship. I will be in the gym. I will be in that spot. Kofi Kingston will get demolished and his career will be over. And Lashley basically said that he wants Kofi to bring his family, bring his friends, bring everybody that cares for Kofi so they can see Kofi lose to Lashley and end his career. That was the main focal point of that whole segment. Lashley was there to let P know that the fun and games are done. We're back to business. We're back to grinding. We're back to being the men that we were before I got this WWE Championship. That was the final segment leading up to Money in the Bank for Monday Night Raw on their go-home show to Money in the Bank. Now to NXT. The first opening match was Dakota Kai beating Ember Moon by pinfall whenever she hit Ember Moon with a detonation kick. After this, you had Zia Lee coming down the ramp and she bypassed Dakota Kai to get directly to Raquel Gonzalez and basically told Raquel, listen, I'm coming after that NXT Women's Championship and I'm next in line. And in the back shot, you saw Dakota getting frustrated. You saw it in her face get twisted and just get tired. It's been bubbling these past couple of weeks and these past couple of months, how people have been steamrolling and looking over Dakota just to get to Raquel Gonzalez. And you can tell that something is coming down the line. And Raquel Gonzalez accepts Zaylee's challenge. So next week on NXT, we have a women's championship match where Raquel Gonzalez will be putting up her NXT women's championship against Zaylee. And I suspect Raquel is going to win and then, Dakota's probably going to stomp out uh, Zia Lee and then snap and probably hit Raquel after Raquel's going to try to tell Dakota that's enough because this has been bubbling and you can see it on Dakota's face. She's getting tired of being just a person that just get looked over and not get any shots, how nobody's taking her as a threat and always just looking at Raquel Gonzalez just because she's wearing the championship. Yes, Raquel's wearing the championship, but you should be looking at me as a threat because I'm with the champion. I'm with the threat. So just expect that somewhere down the line. If not next week, somewhere down the line soon because I feel NXT, especially Triple H's finger, about to pull that trigger. And if anything, we're going to get Dakota Kai versus Raquel Gonzalez at an NXT takeover like the takeover before SummerSlam, during that SummerSlam week. I mark this down. You heard it from me right here. I believe we're going to get Dakota going against Raquel Gonzalez at that takeover the weekend of SummerSlam. Anyway, back to business. After this, we had a backstage promo where Diamond Mind and Malcolm Bivens was letting the people know that Diamond Mind is open for business. Anybody wants to get it, they can come get it. And Bobby Fish comes up and says, you know what? I want some. I want next. And he looks at Roddy and says, I want Roddy. And Malcolm Bivens has a, like, a scared face. And he says, no, 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 you don't get Roderick Strong. You don't get Roddy. You get Tyler Rust. You're going to get, you're going to go against Tyler Rust. So the next match was Tyler Rust going against Bobby Fish. And Tyler Rust beats Bobby Fish by buzzsaw kick whenever Bobby Fish got distracted by Roderick Strong. And he just looked at Roddy. And that allowed Tyler Rust to hit Bobby in the knees and then give him a buzzsaw kick to the head. And got the pin. After this, you had Diamond Mind, Roderick Strong, and Tyler Rust, and Malcolm Bivens, and their coach come into the ring and surround Bobby Fish. And before they can even attack Bobby, you had Kushida come down to the ramp and come down to the ring and save Bobby Fish from Diamond Mind were able to do anything. So this is coming to a head where Kushida is going to go against Roderick Strong somewhere down the line. After this, we got Saray going against Gigi Dolan, the formerly known as on the Independence, Priscilla Kelly. Um, Saray beats Gigi Dolan by hitting her with a T-bone suplex and getting the pinfall. One, two, three. It was a nice showcase message to let NXT Universe know what Gigi Dolan is about. And it also allowed the NXT Universe to remember that Saray is still new and that we should be looking out for Saray in the future. After this, we had 
a promo of Santos Escobar and his boys, Legado del Fantasma, in the backstage. And they were talking about how, how now Swerve has the NXT North American title and how Hit Row is nothing but a bunch of flunkies and they can't really rap. And they went on about and on and on. And Santos had to get them back on track and say, tonight, they're going to teach Dexter Loomis a lesson and get Dexter Loomis out the way on Santos Escobar's course and to winning the NXT North American title, which led to Santos Escobar going against Dexter Loomis. Santos Escobar beats Dexter Loomis by pinfall when he hits him with the Phantom Driver because Joaquin Wilde pulled Dexter Loomis into the ring post outside. He basically pushed him into the ring post while Santos Escobar was able to throw him into the ring and then hit the Phantom Driver and get the 1-2-3. After this, Hit Row was waiting for Legado del Fantasma on the ramp at the stage. And you just had the face-off between Hit Row and Legado del Fantasma. So this is telling you, probably next week and the weeks after, we're going to see Hit Row in matches. Then Legado's going to come out there and just face off with Hit Row. It's not going to lead to a touching of people going against one another yet. But the first match I indicate will be like Joaquin Wild and... Uh, Joaquin Wilde and Homeboy, God, my man, what is Homeboy, what's Homie's name? Jesus. Uh, Raul Mendoza, there it is. Joaquin Wilde and Mendoza going against Ashanti Diodonis and Top Dollar in like a tag team match. I expect that coming down the line, but just know Hit Rose going against Legado del Fantasma, that's the course that we're on. And it goes to commercial break, and then it comes back from commercial break. It shows what happened during commercial break. Indy Hartwell, she comes out there to try to pick up Dexter Loomis. And right now, they've been having a storyline for months where Indy Hartwell has a thing for Dexter, and Dexter has a thing for Indy. But the thing that keeps on getting in the way of those two actually kissing one another is Candice LeRae and the rest of the faction, the way that Indy Hartwell is in. They keep on cock-blocking uh, Indy and Dexter and try to put a monkey wrench into that relationship and it perceived to happen again. Indy came out there to try to hold up Dexter Loomis and they fall down and Indy falls on top of Dexter and it looks like they're about to kiss but Candace comes out there and just put the kibosh to that and pulls Indy off of Dexter and starts grabbing Indy and Walker to the back. I see they're going to end the storyline soon. I think Indy's going to get tired of the whole cock blocking, and then somewhere down the line, we're going to get Indy walking away from the way. After this, we got the first match for the NXT Breakout Tournament. We had Duke Hudson beating Ikamanjiro by pinfall whenever Duke Hudson beat uh, Ikamanjiro by hitting him with the Boss Man Slam, which is basically uh, the Black Hole Slam. A lot of wrestlers have been using the Black Hole Slam as their finish. I wonder why they just won't use other finish but anyway uh and this just allows duke hudson to advance in the nxt breakout tournament this is a tournament with eight upstarts in nxt people to look out for and more matches will come along next week in the weeks after the winner of the tournament will get a match of any variety that they want on nxt they can challenge for any nxt championship match that's basically what i'm getting at here after this, we had the tag team match of Caden Carter and Casey Catanzaro beating Jesse Kamea and Aaliyah by pinfall whenever Carter and Casey hit their tag team finisher, which is a neck breaker 450 splash combination on Aaliyah. And after this, we had Robert Stone coming in to tell Aaliyah, it's okay, it's fine, we're going to rebuild and we're going to do what we do and we're going to get you guys back to the tag team titles opportunities Aaliyah slaps Robert Stone and starts kicking Robert Stone and telling Robert Stone that she has done everything for him and he has never done anything for her and this leads to Aaliyah basically leaving the Robert Stone brand and now as Aaliyah is leaving the, leaving the ring and walking up the ramp out from nowhere comes Frankie Monet. She talks to Jesse Kamea, and Jesse Kamea follows uh, uh, Frankie Monet, and Robert Stone follows behind Frankie Monet. And also, I forgot to mention during this match, we had Mandy Rose come out 
to the stage and look at this tag team match and you had the NXT crowd just basically chanting, you don't go here. Well, I hate to inform you guys, she now goes to NXT. Raw and NXT made a trade for two women. Mandy Rose will be traded off from Raw to NXT, while Raw will be getting from NXT Aaliyah. So that's the trade. NXT gets Mandy Rose, and Raw gets Aaliyah. That's the backstage news that has been floating around, and apparently has been confirmed by WWE as well. So that happened, and also Frankie Monet and Jessica Maya will be now partners together, and Robert Stone will just basically have to work under Frankie Monet. That's the way this is going down the line next. After this, we get an Adam Cole promo. Adam Cole comes down to the ring and he talks about how he's the best man in NXT. He doesn't care who's going to win the NXT title match tonight between Johnny Gargano or Karrion Cross. He's next man in line. That's all they got to say about that. And Bronson Reed comes out to interrupt this promo. Bronson Reed tells Adam Cole that since he doesn't have the North American title, he has a big target on his back because everybody wants to know What's he going to do? What's next for Bronson Reed? And Bronson tells Adam, you've been the golden child for NXT. So you're next on my list. And Bronson and Adam uh, fought a little bit, but Bronson got the best of Adam Cole. And Adam Cole gets thrown to the outside of the ring. Adam Cole gets up. And before he can even try to even get back into the ring, Samoa Joe's music hits. And Samoa Joe walks out because now it's time for him to referee the match between Karrion Cross and Gargano. And before Cross and Gargano comes out there, we have a stare down between Cole and Samoa Joe. And this Cole goes back up to the ramp. And Bronson Reed just looks at Samoa Joe. And Samoa Joe looks at Bronson, but does he pay him no attention, saying, I ain't got a problem with you. And Bronson gets out of the ring and walks up the ramp. So now it's NXT main event time. The NXT championship was on the line when Karrion Cross defended his NXT championship against Johnny Gargano. And Karrion Cross beat Johnny by pinfall whenever he hit his forearm, running forearm behind Johnny Gargano's head to retain his NXT title. And during the match, Cross would provoke, uh, try to provoke Samoa Joe in a way. He wouldn't let go of his hold whenever Samoa Joe told him to let go of his hold. And at a point, Cross had Johnny Gargano in the uh, straitjacket, and Johnny got to the bottom ropes, and um, Samoa Joe was counting the five, and a competitor has the five to let up, let go of the grip, and if not, he is disqualified. Samoa Joe was counting, and he got to four, and he just kicked uh, Cross's arms off of. Gargano and Cross got up, got up, and he just looked at Joe and he just starts getting in the face of Joe. And Samoa Joe has told him, "If you want to do something, leap. If you want to do something, just leap. Do something. Do something." And Cross got hit with a roll up by Gargano, and that led to uh, Cross getting more upset, and this led to Cross getting the straitjacket onto Johnny, hold him there, and hold him there. And now you see. Cross looking at um, Joe as he's locking in the straitjacket. He let go of the straitjacket, running forearm, hits the one, two, three. After this, Samoa Joe gives Cross the NXT championship and raises his hand, and then he threw his hand down. And Cross looks at Joe and he starts talking smack to Joe, saying, You ain't got to throw my hand down. You ain't got to throw it down. And Samoa Joe and him just jaw jack and they jaw jack. Samoa Joe turns his back for a minute, and then Samoa, and then um, Karen Cross gets Samoa Joe in the cross jacket, which is basically a sleep hold. And he seeing as this is happening, Samoa Joe is trying to struggle to get out of this maneuver, and he's trying to struggle and struggle, but he can't. Cross is just uh, holding it in, and he's applying more pressure and more pressure. To the point that he drops Samojo and he is holding on that sleeper hold, and they both fall down, and he just constantly holds on pressure onto that sleeper hold. And as he's saying it, he is taunting Joe. He's saying, I told you, Joe, you crossed the line. You've been pushed. You've been pushed. You have now been provoked. You've been provoked. 
So now Cross knows what he has done. He knows that Samojo is coming to get him. And he's saying it as he's putting Joe to sleep. You've been provoked. You've been provoked. So now Samojo can actually put hands on Cross. And next week, we're more than likely going to see Cross get hands put on him by Samojo. If not, we'll probably see William Regal stop Samojo before anything does happen of that nature. Now on to AEW. The first match for AEW to open up for their Fighter Fest Night 1 was the IWGP United States title match between John Moxley, the champion, going against Carl Anderson, the challenger. John Moxley beats Carl Anderson by pinfall whenever he hits him with the paradigm shift to retain his United States championship. To start the match off, you had um, Eddie Kingston taking out Doc Gallo, so it would be a one-on-one contest between Carl Anderson and John Moxley. And this was a down, dirty, just straight-up match between Carl Anderson and John Moxley. You had John Moxley scratching Carl Anderson's back. You had John Moxley biting Carl Anderson and just biting him on his face, biting him on his forehead, biting him on his nose. To the point that I was looking at him, I was like, okay, is he really biting him or is he isn't biting him? No, John Moxley was really biting Carl Anderson. Because at one point, you see John Moxley bite him, and then you see the camera point over to Carl Anderson's face. And Carl Anderson has a bite mark, and it's bleeding on his cheek. And that's where John Moxley bit him on the cheek. Anyway, this was a good, good back-and-forth match between the two, but John Moxley got the pinfall. And this setup for later in the night, uh, Lance Archer comes out, and he, he has a backstage uh, promo and he tells in his backstage promo that he wants a shot at the IWGP United States Championship next week in a Dallas Texas uh, death match is basically a street fight and John Moxley accepts so next week on AEW Fighter Fest night two we'll be getting a IWGP United States Championship match again but this time will be John Moxley defending that championship against Lance Archer in a Texas Texas death match a.k.a. a street fight. After this, we had the FTW uh, championship match where Brian Cage was defending his title against teammate of Team Taz, Ricky Starks. And Ricky Starks beat Brian Cage by pinfall whenever Will Hobbs hit Brian Cage with the FTW title and Ricky Starks nailed Cage with a spear. Let me set this up for you. Uh, Ricky Starks was trying to grab the FTW title and he was trying to hit Brian Cage with it. Will Hobbs gets the title from Ricky Starks and he tells him, no, we're not doing that. That's not happening. And Ricky Starks just has a shock look on his face. He turns around, he eats an F5. Brian Cage thought he got the win off the F5. Ricky Starks kicks out. So Hook gets on the um, apron and distracts the referee. And this set up for Brian Cage to run the ropes, and he was looking for a devastating maneuver. But as he ran the ropes towards Will Hobbs, Will Hobbs got on the apron and hit Cage in the head with the FTW title. And this allowed Ricky starts to hit Brian Cage with the spear. And on commentary, you hear Taz saying, yes, yes, and he was counting along with the referee and the crowd as Ricky Starks got the pinfall over Brian Cage. And this essentially kicked Brian Cage out of Team Taz. So now in Team Taz, it is Hook, Will Hobbs, and the new FTW champion, Ricky Starks, and also Coach Taz. Immediately, give it about a good 20 seconds after the pinfall, after the bell rings, 20 seconds after, we get Cody Rose coming to the announced desk and he has an all white suit suit clean crisp yet again hats off to anybody that wears white completely i don't wear white attire white attire can get dirty but salute to anybody that straight wears all white anything just straight i like white teeth but other than that just all white clothes i can't do it but anyway cody comes out to the announce table and he just calls out Malachi Black, he tells him, I know why you're here in AEW. I know why you would try to pick a fight with a franchise player. I understand that. But what we don't do here is attack a 62-year-old man. We don't do that here. 
and then he gets off the announce uh, table and he asks for a mic, he gets a mic. He goes down to the ramp and he calls out Malachi Black. Malachi Black shows up on the Titan Tron and he tells Cody, basically, I kicked you and Arn in Hells because you guys don't have that fire in your art in your eyes anymore. I saw it last week and the fans know it last week. And also the fans don't care about you. The fans didn't cheer for you last week. The fans are violent. They don't care about you. They just want to see violence, Cody. Whatever you're trying to do and try to make everything better, that ain't what the fans want. They just want pure violence because they're savages. That was basically all Malachi Black was trying to get to Cody. Cody only heard how he and Arn don't have fire anymore for this business. Cody told Malachi, listen, if you think that I don't have fire in my eyes, if you don't think I have fire for this anymore, come down to the ring and look me in my eyes and you can see the fire in my eyes. Malachi Black basically simply said, that's all you had to say. And I would thought you would say that. The lights go out about a good 15 seconds and it pops right back on. Malachi Black is in one corner. Cody's in the middle of the ring. And those two just start fighting. They start throwing hands. They start just brawling with one another. And security and referees and backstage hands come out there to separate the two. And the crowd is just straight yelling, let them fight. Let them fight. And that ended that segment. Malachi Black versus Cody will be happening somewhere down the line in the future. I guarantee you that. After this, we got a backstage promo from Andrade Al Idolo talking to Alex, uh, Alex who hangs around with Penta El Zero Miero. Uh, um, Andrade asks Alex point blank, "Where is the Death Triangle?" Alex said to Andrade, "You want the Death Triangle?" Andrade talks in Spanish a little bit. He had in the AEW provide you with the subtitle to let you know what he says, and he basically tells. And he says to Alex, I want you to deliver a message to Death Triangle. I want them. I'm looking for the Death Triangle. And he does this specifically to Alex because Alex hangs around Penta. So if anybody's going to be able to deliver a message to the Death Triangle, it's going to be Alex. So that's all that segment was about. After this, we had an in-ring promo where Hangman Adam Page talked to Tony Schiavone. And the main point was... Hangman was going to announce that he is challenging Kenny Omega for the All Elite Championship. And before he even say All Elite, just the word elite out of his mouth, Don Callis gets on the microphone and interrupts this. And he says that Adam Page isn't the guy. Adam Page doesn't have that within his heart to challenge Kenny for that championship. He knows he's not the man to challenge Kenny for the AEW Championship. And out comes Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson, Doc Gallows, and Kenny Omega, and Brian, uh, Brian, Brian Cutler. Yeah, Brian Cutler. Or is his name Brandon Cutler? Brandon. I'm sorry. His name Brandon Cutler. Brandon Cutler comes out with the Elite. And they just, one by one, Nick says that Adam isn't the guy. Doc comes on the microphone and says, yeah, you're not the guy, bruh. Matt gets on the microphone and he gets inside the ring and he tells to Adam in his face saying that you're not the guy to go against uh, Kenny. You're not that guy. We were your friends at one point and you ditched us. And it's going to be just like everything else in the end. You're going to be a man by yourself. And if anything, you're going to be the next greatest wrestling tragedy. And Adam and Matt gets face to face and you can hear Matt tell Adam, you're not going to hit me. You're not going to hit me. And Adam just lays in one hit and knocks Matt down to the ground. And you see all the elite other members try to get in the ring, but Hangman isn't trying to hat at. But behind him is Kenny holding the AEW title ready to hit him in the back. But all Dark Order comes out and they get the elite from around the ring and they are holding the ring secure for Adam to make sure nobody tries to uh, attack him. Which leads to Adam challenging Kenny Omega for a match. But Kenny tells him, you know what? You want a match? I'll give you a match. It'll be you in the Dark Order going against me in the Elite. Five on five. And Adam Page uh, brings it up a notch. He says, you know what? 
fine. That's the match you guys want. That's the match that you guys will get. But here's the deal. If me and my men win, I will be getting you, Kenny, for the AEW Championship. But also, the Dark Order will get a shot at the Young Bucks AEW Tag Team titles. Kenny and the Young Bucks weren't feeling until Don Callis had to whisper something to Kenny's ear. And Kenny said, all right, all right, I'll do that. And Kenny gets in the ring and he gets nose to nose with Adam. And he says, you know what? I'll do that. But you guys got to wager something on the line as well. If you guys lose to me and my guys, Adam, you don't get a shot at the AEW title. You don't get one at all. In Dark Order, you guys don't get a shot at the AEW tag team titles. Nowhere, no time soon, no nothing. And Adam Page accepts. So somewhere, probably next week, or if not next week, two weeks from now. I'm expecting two weeks from now. We're going to get the 5-on-5 match for Dark Order going against the Elite. And that ended that segment. After that, we got the one-on-one match between Christian Cage and Matt Hardy. Christian Cage beats Matt Hardy by pinfall. When he hits him with the kill switch, formerly known as the Unpredator in WWE. After this, you had the Hardy family uh, operations of Private Party and and Helico come out to the ring. And they're about to attack Christian Cage. But Jurassic Express comes out to make sure that they don't attack Christian. And that's how that segment ends. Britt Baker comes out for an in-ring promo. And she's basically hyping up her... Next week, match with um, Nyla Rose for the AEW Women's Championship, saying how she's going to beat Nyla Rose and how Nyla Rose needs the AEW Women's title to make her relevant. Vicky Guerrero will, Vicky Guerrero will always be relevant because of the last name, but Nyla needs the AEW title, while I don't need the AEW title. I'm just making the AEW title world women's title more relevant because it's next to me and because I am the face of the AEW women's division. That's all that promo was about. After this, we had the match of Sammy Guevara going against Wheeler Yuta. Wheeler Yuta is a guy that's been on MLW television. He's been on Ring of Honor television. He's been a lot of places this 2020. So he was a guy who is starting to get his name up there. And Sammy Guevara and Wheeler Yuta had a nice, solid match, but Sammy Guevara beat Wheeler Yuta by hitting him with a GTH. It's basically a reversal of the go-to-sleep, if you've ever seen that maneuver. And he got the pinfall off of that. And after this, you got the backstage promo of Chris Jericho. He talks about how he's going to beat whoever MGF puts in front of him, and he whenever he beats all four of those guys, and he gets his hands on MGF, he's going to make sure that MGF regrets ever pushing him off of the cage at Blood and Guts. And as he was talking, Sean Spears comes in with the chair and hits Jericho in the throat with the chair. And he's holding down Jericho as MGF comes in, and MGF tells Jericho that next week, one of your penance will be going against Sean Spears in a match where Sean Spears can use the chair, but you can't. So remember, this is one of um, Chris Jericho's five matches that he has to go through before he can get his hands on MJF. So next week, this will be one of his matches, and it is required that he beats Sean Spears. It is required that he wins all of these matches before he can get his hands on MJF. If he happens to lose any of these matches, he doesn't get his hands on MJF at all. So just remember that next week, him, Jericho versus Sean Spears in a chairs match, but only Sean Spears can use a steel chair and Chris Jericho can't. After this, we got a match of Yuka Sakazaki going against Penelope Ford, and it was a straight, simple match. Uh, Yuka Yuka Sakazaki beats Penelope Ford by pinfall whenever she hits her with a magical barrel splash, and it's basically a springboard twisted bliss after this we got the main event darby allen beating ethan page in a casket match and this match was brutal for what they could do i mean they showed some blood ethan page got some blood but it was a nice brutal match i'm not gonna crap on it because it was a good match there's nothing for me to even crap about it was good you had the interference of Scorpio Sky popping out of the casket to beat up on Darby Allen, and then you had Sting coming out to make the save, 
and leaving it down to Darby Allen and Ethan Page. Ethan uh, undoes one, the bottom ropes and he uses one of the hooks as a weapon to get the neck that uh, that Darby Allen is wearing a necklace. He hooks the hook onto that necklace and yanks it and makes Darby fall down and pops his necklace. And in the end, Darby Allen throws Ethan Page into the casket and shuts the casket lid. And you think that's all that um, Darby was going to do, but no. He gets on the top rope, he poses, and then he just looks at the casket on the floor. And then he gets out the ring, he positions the casket in a certain way, and he gets to the top rope. He goes to the top, and then he jumps off and hits a coffin drop onto the coffin. And it destroys the casket. So, this put a good exclamation mark on this uh, rivalry between Darby and Ethan. I feel that it's far from over, because Ethan Page is... Uh, an egomaniacal man is in his nickname, All Ego. So, I feel that this rivalry isn't done yet. I believe they're going to put a nice good pause button on it. But it was a nice match for uh, Fighter Fest Night 1 to send the crowd happy on Night 1 of Fighter Fest. Now to Impact Wrestling. The first match was Jordan Grace and Rachel Ellering beat um, Tennille Dashwood and Caleb by pinfall whenever... To, uh, Jordan Grace and Rachel Ellering hit an assisted spinning Uranagi on Caleb to get the win. After this, you had the match of Havoc beating Tasha Steeles by pinfall whenever Havoc hit Tasha with a tombstone. After this, the next match was Steve Macklin beating Carl or Cal Hero by pinfall whenever he hit him with the reverse 1916. They still haven't given that name a uh, that move a new name for Steve Macklin. And once they do, I would call it that. But once until then, it's still going to be recalled the reverse 1916 to me. After this, we had the big four on four match between Chris Bay, Trey Miguel, Josh Alexander, and Petey Williams beating the team of Shira, Rohit Raju, Ace Austin, and Madman Fulton by pinfall whenever Chris Bay was able to get the pin on Shira. And whenever he hit him with a roll-up, after the match, you had the bad guys of Shira, Rohit, Ace, and Fulton beating up on Miguel, Alexander, and Petey. Trey, uh, not Trey, but Chris Bay came in with a steel chair and fended off those guys. Fended off Shira, Rohit, Ace, and Fulton. And Fulton and Ace and Rohit and Shira were on the um, ramp as Bay... PD and Josh Alexander were in the ring, just holding the ring down. And then Chris Bay hit Josh Alexander from behind with a steel chair. And then he hit Chris Bay in the gut. And PD Williams was chasing after Chris Bay. And you saw Ace Austin and uh, Shiro Rohit looking at one another and shouting at Bay, like, how dare you not join us? How dare you? And all this and that. Chris Bay, from the start of this thing, has told each one of them, both sides, saying, listen, I'm not on their side, I'm not on your side, I'm on my side. And he just played the field. He said, hey, man, I told you, I was on my side. You guys didn't pay attention. So this leads Chris Bay into momentum for his match uh, at Slammiversary tonight. Um, after this, you got the match. Well, no, not the match. You had Brian Myers calling out Jake something to announced that he was a professional to give up his end of the bargain, to fulfill his end of the bargain for losing to Jake something last week. Brian Myers is out there with Sam Beal. He calls out Jake something. Jake something isn't foolish. He brings out Matt Cardona with them. And in the ring, you have Brian Myers and Sam Beal. And on the other side, you have Matt Cardona and Jake something. Brian Myers tells Jake something, you are a professional, but... You're not a superstar. And then Matt Cardona says, see, this is the kind of crap that I've been talking about. You are a piece of crap. And how dare you say this about this guy here? And Jake something is a professional. He is a superstar. He's going to be something. And Brian Myers told Matt to shut up. And how dare he interrupt? And what is he even doing out there? And then you see all four men get into a brawl. Jake and Sam Bill get 
uh, tossed to the outside of the ring because Jake's on the clothesline, Sam Beal out of the ring, but he also uses that momentum to get himself thrown out of the ring as well. So now you have Matt Cardona and Brian Myers just fighting in the ring, and then Matt it got the better hand of Brian, but then out of nowhere, uh, Tennille comes out and kicks Cardona in the family jewels. And now you see Cardona on the ground and Brian Myers and Tennille Dashwood was standing over Matt. So this leads to later in the night, Matt Cardona cutting a promo and he tells Scott that he wants a match with Brian Myers. But Scott DeMore tells um, Cardona that, listen, I know that's what you want, but I'm going to up it up one more because I see that you have some unfinished business with Myers, and you had some unfinished business with Tennille. So how about this? At Slammiversary, it would be a mixed tag team match. Uh, Brian Myers and Tennille going against you and a mystery partner of your choosing. I'm pretty sure you'll find someone to fill up that spot. And he even kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudge the fans and audience by saying, uh, it's going to be a hot mess at Slammiversary. Hot mess was his uh, Matt... Cardona's uh, fiance's uh, former gimmick uh, name in her nickname in Impact Wrestling, Chelsea Green, the hot mess Vanessa. That was her gimmick in Impact Wrestling. So that was a wink, wink, nudge, nudge to the fans because she got released from WWE and you get the drift. After this, we got the match of Moose beating Hernandez by pinfall. Moose was able to hit Hernandez with a spear. After this, Moose was about to break Hernandez's ankle by putting it in between a steel chair and stomping on it, but Chris Saban comes out there to save Hernandez uh, and sends Moose packing back to the back. And in the main event, we had a fatal four-way match of the big men of each respective tag team. Joe Dory representing Violence by Design, Fala Bob representing himself and TJP, Willie Mack representing himself and Rich Swan and Doc Gallows representing the Good Brothers. Joe Doring ends up winning this fatal four-way match whenever he hits a short-arm clothesline to follow Blah. Follow Bah. I'm sorry. Follow Bah. Um, this gives Violence by Design momentum into their fatal four-way tag team match at Slammiversary for the Impact Championship. And that was the main event for Impact. Now on to SmackDown. SmackDown starts with First and foremost, SmackDown started off with the main event to basically start the show. It was the Bloodline, Roman Reigns, the Tribal Chief, the Universal Champion, with his cousins, the Usos, going against the WWE SmackDown Tag Team Champions, the Mysterios, Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio, and the Rated R Superstar, Edge. And the crowd was hot. The crowd was pumped up and lively for this match. I would have saved it for the main event. But, a to each his own, they have this big six-man match to open up the show, and the crowd was ready and pumping it up and just eating it up every little move that everybody did. And in the last thing maneuvers, uh, Jay Uso pinned Rey Mysterio with the roll-up, and he hold the tights to get the one, two, three, and the Usos and Roman Reigns beat Edge and the Mysterios after the match. The Usos jumped the Mysterios and started beating them down, and then Edge came in with the steel chair, started whacking the Usos with it. Roman Reigns comes in the ring and hits Edge with a Superman punch, and he's about to, looks like he's about to hit him with a spear, but then he stops, and then he looks at the steel chair, and then he grabs the steel chair and breaks off one of the metal pieces on the chair, and he was about to exact some revenge on edge for keeping locking them in the cross face with that piece of material from the chair. But edge gets up and hits at Roman with a spear. And then he was able to, again, lock in the cross face with that piece of metal uh, pipe from the steel chair. And he uses it to reinforce that cross face and Roman reigns taps. So now this shows everybody that Roman reigns is afraid. Roman reigns has the ability to tap, but it takes a metal pipe for Edge to beat Roman Reigns. It takes that psychological warfare for him to beat Roman. And he can't use that at Money in the Bank. So this adds a nice like little crumple in the plans of Edge. If he wants to beat Roman Reigns, really, 
He knows what he has to do, but he has to find a way to kind of do it. After this, we got the promo of Sami Zayn coming out, and he's complaining how it's a big conspiracy. WWE has locked him out of Money in the Bank. He's not in the Money in the Bank match. He's not Mr. Money in the Bank. If WWE wanted to, and they could, they could just give him the briefcase. He complains and complains. And then out of the out of nowhere, Finn Balor's music hits, and the crowd jumps up for that. And Finn Balor comes down. He's all smiley face, and he hits his poses and everything. And Sami Zayn is about to say something, but then he lunges to attack Finn Balor. Finn Balor hits him with a nightmare on Elm Street, and then he hits uh, the shotgun drop kicks to Sami Zayn to set it up for the coup de gras, and he hits a sideways coup de gras. His jumping point wasn't as crisp as it usually be. He jumps, and then he, like, tilts to the side, and he hits a coup de gras. It looked brutal, to be honest, the way he stuck the landing onto Sammy. It looked mighty brutal, but they're professionals. They know what they're doing. After this, we got the match between Tegan Knox and Shazi Blackheart going against Natalia and Tamina. And Natalia and Tamina, yet again, lose to Tegan Knox and Shazi Blackheart whenever uh, Tegan Knox. It hits an inside cradle on Natalia and gets the one, two, three. But Natalia was distracted by Zelina Vega and Liv Morgan fighting on the outside because uh, during the match, Liv Morgan and Zelina Vega were on commentary and they just start brawling. And Natalia was about to get Tegan Knox into the sharpshooter, but then looks at those two women brawling outside and that allows Tegan Knox to get the inside cradle and get the win. As after the match, you saw Natalia and Tamina fighting uh, Selena and Liv Morgan outside of the ring. Long story short, Liv Morgan is able to outmaneuver Selena and Tamina and Natalia and gives and hits her finisher, which is basically a double knees to the face, uh, double knee drop, a female version of the code breaker on Natalia in the ring to let her know that she's going to win the Money in the Bank briefcase at Money in the Bank, and also, the last two remaining spots on the SmackDown female side for the women's portion of the Money in the Bank have been announced, they were taken by the women's tag team champion, Natalia and Tamina, so to cover the stakes at Money in the Bank, it will be Natalia, Tamina, Ru- uh, not Ruby, uh, Liv Morgan, Selena Vega, Naomi, Asuka, Nikki Ash, and Alexa competing for the Women's Money in the Bank champ- Money in the Bank briefcase in a Money in the Bank match. Um, after this, we got the match of Bianca Belair defending her SmackDown Women's Championship against Carmella, and she hit Carmella with the KOD, but before she hit her with the KOD, she hit her with uh, the hair whip, and then got her with the KOD and got the pinfall 1-2-3 to retain her SmackDown Women's title. Again, this was a solid uh, title defense by Bianca. I thought Sasha Banks was going to come out somewhere during this, but again, that did not happen. And more than likely, we're going to see somebody on SmackDown win the Money to Bank briefcase. That's what I'm feeling. Yet again, I'll reiterate my uh, predictions after I read you the results for this SmackDown right here. After this match, we had Cesaro beating Otis by DQ whenever Chad Gable came into the ring and hit Cesaro with a German suplex. After this, we got Otis basically destroying uh, Cesaro after Cesaro hit uh, Chad Gable with a pop-up uppercut and then swung him around for about a good seven swings. And then Otis came in and starts destroying Cesaro, and then he hits Cesaro with a Vader bomb. And that was how we ended that segment. After this, we had a Baron Corbin promo. Baron Corbin comes out to the ring, and the whole main point of this is that he is begging the audience to donate to his... uh, Make it fun of a GoFundMe account. Since the whole character with Baron Corbin is that he is broken down, he's poor, he's out on his luck, he doesn't have the money to cover up his bills, to cover for his bills, he needs people to try to uh, basically pay his bills for him, he's set up a Corbin Fund Me, and the goal for that Corbin Fund Me is $100,000, 
And he says to the fans, I will appreciate it if you guys can donate to this, yada, yada, yada. Kevin Owens comes out, and Kevin Owens gets into the ring, and he just looks at Baron Corbin as Baron Corbin tells Kevin Owens, I know me and you are the same. You have a family. I know you uh, can donate to this, and if the fans see you donate to this, the fans will donate. And if they donate, the boys in the back will donate to this. And Kevin Owens hears this, but then he just straight up just gives Baron Corbin a Stone Cold Stunner. And this leads to the main event of the night. A fatal four-way match between Seth Rollins, Big E, King Nakamura, and Kevin Owens. And the winner of this match was Seth Rollins. Whenever Seth Rollins hit Big E with a curb stomp onto a ladder. Yes, a ladder was placed in the ring in the last final sequences of the match. And Big E got, uh, ate a curb stomp by Seth Rollins, and this led to Seth Rollins winning, and after the match, he uh, positioned that ladder up and climbed up the ladder to grab the Money in the Bank briefcase to indicate, to let everybody know that I, Seth Rollins, will be winning that Money in the Bank briefcase at Money in the Bank this upcoming Sunday, and that you should be placing your bets on me to win the Money in the Bank. Now that that's out of the way, let me reiterate my predictions for Money in the Bank, because they just added a couple more matches, and they added at least one more match until Slammiversary, so I'm about to, give, again, give you my predictions for each of those pay-per-view cards. Slammiversary, tonight, I have Kenny Omega beating Sammy Callahan to retain the Impact, Tag Team, Impact Championship. Tonight, I have Josh Alexander to win the Ultimate X match to retain his X Division Championship. I have uh, the mystery woman beating Deanna Perrazzo for the knockouts title. I have no idea who it is. I can't wait to see who it is because women talent got released. A lot of them got released by WWE this uh, year, and a lot of them were talented, but it's going to be nice to see who Impact brings in. I have Violence by Design winning and retaining the tag team titles over Rich Swan and Willie Mack, Fallabaugh and TJP, and the Good Brothers. I have Havoc and Rosemary beating Fire and Flava, uh, Tasha Steeles, and Kiara Hogan to win the Knockouts Tag Team titles. I have W. Morrissey, formerly known as Big Cass, beating Eddie Edwards. And I have Matt Cardona and his female mystery tag team partner beating Brian Myers and Tennille Dashwood. That is my predictions for anniversary. Now to Money in the Bank. I have Matt Riddle winning the Money in the Bank Money in the Bank briefcase. I have Liv Morgan winning the Money in the Bank briefcase. I have Lashley beating Kofi to retain the WWE Championship. I have Charlotte beating Rhea Ripley to win the Raw Women's title. I have Roman Reigns beating Edge to retain the Universal title. I have the Usos beating the Mysterios to win the SmackDown Tag Team titles, which that match will be happening on the kickoff. That's a crying shame. That should be on the main card. And I have AJ Styles and Omos beating the Viking Raiders to retain the Raw Tag Team Championships. Thus have been my predictions. That has been the uh, wrestling highlights of the week. Again, I want to reiterate that you guys will always be getting, and this is the permanent schedule, you always be getting the wrestling highlights of the week on a Saturday, period. You will always be getting a uh, Sunday edition of My Two Cents Podcast. It's basically where I talk about anything in the news or anything that I find important that I just want to share with you guys. That's what I'll be talking to you guys on Sunday. And if a pay-per-view happens of main stature, a basically an AEW or WWE pay-per-view happens, you'll be getting a recap of that that Monday morning. Remember, you can find all the episodes of My Two Cents Podcast on Podbeam, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. If you want to look up, uh, hit me up on social media. My Twitter is at My2Podcasts, all one word, and it's not T-W-O, it's the actual number two. Instagram, My Two Cents Podcast G2. And for business inquiries, it's my two cents pod at yahoo.com. If it's not about business, you can just personally email me on that as well. If you just want to talk about something or just bring up about how I should have done this or done that on this podcast, 
you can email me on that too and also on apple they give out five star ratings they have this whole star ratings give me any type of star ratings you think i deserve tell me what i should have done to make this uh episode better or make it much more enjoyable for the listeners um with that i hope you check out my sunday edition of the podcast tomorrow when it when it drops i have no idea what i'm talking about yet but when i do you guys will know about it and hopefully matter of fact i'm gonna be talking about space jam a little bit i'm gonna talk about space jam a little bit i do know i'm gonna talk about that and i have a little couple other things up my sleeves a little bit but i'm not gonna tell you what it is until you listen to my sunday episode but anyway until then you can look up uh my two cents podcast and look back at the old episodes on apple Podcasts, podbean and also google Podcasts. but also uh yeah tomorrow sunday episode monday recap of the pay-per-views until then this has been um my two cents podcast wrestling highlights of the week and thank you very much bye bye now i'm tired you tired uh-huh. jesus wept. Uh-huh.